Chapter Fifteen of Joan Thursday by Lewis Joseph Vance. The Slipperbox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Never had any of her difficulties been adjusted in a manner more satisfactory to Joan. She rose at once from an abyss of discouragement to sunlit peaks of happiness. Installing a rented typewriting machine in the room adjoining her own, temporarily without a tenant, and willingly loaned by Madame de Prat, she tapped away industriously from early morning to late at night, sedulously transcribing into clean typescript the mangled manuscripts given her by Matthias. By no means a rapid worker, after renewing acquaintance with the machine, she made up for slowness by diligence and long hours, and the work interested her. She thought the plays magnificent, and a novel, which Matthias gave her when his stock of old plays ran low, she considered superb. It was his first and only book, and had not as yet been submitted to the mercies of a publisher. But to Joan it was something more than a book. It was a revelation, her primal introduction to the world of the intellect. From poring over its pages, she grew hungry for more thrilled by the discovery that she could find interest and pleasure in reading she began to borrow extensively from the circulation branch of the public library in forty-second street and to read late into the night defying the prejudices of madame de prat on the question of gas consumption refusing an offer of public stenographer rates she had asked for ten dollars a week this matthias paid her under protest that the work was worth more to him the arrangement was however a fortunate one for though at first joan earned more than she received after rehearsals of the jade god had started she was seldom able to give more than two or three hours a day to the copying these rehearsals furnished her with impressions vastly different from those garnered through her experience with the convict's return the company assembled for the first time on a mid-august morning in the author's study there were present eight men aside from matthias and the manager his producing director and his press agent and four women including joan after brief introductions the gathering disposed itself to attention and matthias rocking nervously in his revolving desk chair read the play aloud to most of those present the work was new and unfamiliar they listened with intense interest keenly alive to the possibilities of the various parts for which they had been cast but joan was not of these she had typed all the parts and knew not only the story but her own slight though significant role as she would have said backwards sitting in a shadowed corner she devoted herself to studying those with whom her lines were to be cast the leading lady was an actress who after several attempts to star at the head of her own company was reduced to playing second to the young and handsome matinee hero of several seasons ago planning to return in triumph to the stage after an unsuccessful effort to retire from it into the contented estate of well-financed matrimony through their widely published photographs joan was familiar with the features of both she thought the star charming good-humoured good-looking well-mannered slight and graceful he had all the assurance of a charlie quard and none of his vain swagger but joan decided on sight to detest the leading woman she was a pale ashen blonde with a skin as colourless as snow level dark brows sharp blue eyes set close to the bridge of her pointed nose and a thin-lipped violent mouth 
the first impression she conveyed was one of dangerous temper the second that she had been happy in her choice of photographers throughout the reading she sat negligently on the arm of a chair swinging a foot and staring out of the window with an air of immitigable disdain of the other women one was a grey-haired sweet-faced lady of perhaps fifty years whose eyes softened winningly whenever they encountered jones the other an unlovely creature of middle age and long stage experience who seemed to have no interest in life aside from her unfolding part the remainder of the company of a cast hallmarked by the theatre offered nothing novel to joan's eyes aside from a fat red-faced lump of a youth who was to act a thick-witted sentimental office-boy in love with the stenographer joan this one she decided to tolerate on suspicion he resembled a type which she had found difficult apt to impertinence and annoying attentions rideout the man financially responsible for the production was an english actor of reputation and considerable ability carrying his stoutish body with an ease that almost suggested slenderness with his plump blousy face twinkling eyes and fat nose of a comedian the insuppressible staginess of his gesture would have betrayed his calling anywhere now and again joan surprised an anxious expression lurking beneath his humorous smile she had inferred from some casual remark made by matthias that rideout was staking all he possessed on the success of this play the producing manager wilbrow was a short lean-bodied american with lantern jaws large intent eyes and a nervous frown joan was impressed with the aloof pleasantness of his manner she was to know him better the reading over the company was dismissed with instructions to report at ten the next morning at an obscure dance-hall masquerading under the name of an opera-house situate in the immediate neighbourhood between eighth and ninth avenues several lingered to affix signatures to contracts joan of their number and when these were gone there remained in conference the star the leading woman matthias rideout and wilbrow going out to dinner that night joan passed matthias bidding good-bye to the leading woman in the hallway he seemed tired and wore a harassed look and later when the girl delivered the outcome of her day's copying he had a manner new to her of weary brusqueness the first rehearsal proper was held in a stuffy and ill-ventilated room so dark that it was necessary to use the electric lights even at high noon the day was fortunately cool otherwise the place had been insufferable there was little attempt at acting the company devoted itself under wilbrow's patient direction to balking in the action they had no stage simply that bare four-square room half a dozen chairs and a few long benches were dragged about to indicate entrances and properties nobody pretended to know his part not even joan who knew hers perfectly the example of the others who merely mumbled from the manuscripts in their hands made the girl fear to betray amateurishness by discovering too great an initial familiarity with her lines so she too carried her script and read from it when not thus engaged she sat watching and noting down what was going on with eager attention but she took away with her a depressing sense of having engaged in something formless and incoherent 
but succeeding rehearsals beginning with the second corrected this misapprehension that afternoon developed wilbrow suddenly into a mild-mannered semi-apologetic and humorous tyrant he discovered an individual comprehension of what was required for the right development of the play and an invincible determination to get it he never lost either temper or patience neither swore nor lifted his voice but having indicated his desire wrought patiently with its subject sometimes for as long as an hour until he had succeeded in satisfying it he worked coatless with his long black hair straggling down over his forehead and across his glasses an incredibly thin energetic and efficient figure dominated by a penetrating and masterful intelligence not infrequently taking the type part from the hands of one of his puppets he would himself give a vivid sketch of its requirements through the medium of intonation gesture and action and to john at least the effects he created by these means were as striking in the feminine roles as in the masculine utterly devoid of self-consciousness he had the faculty of seeming for the moment actually to be what he sought to suggest one forgot the man saw only what he had in mind another thing that surprised the girl more than a little was the docility with which her associates submitted to his dictation and even invited it she had heard of actors creating roles but in this company no one but the producer seemed to be creating anything the others came to rehearsals with minds so open that they seemed vacuous not one whether the star his leading woman or any of their supporting players indicated the least comprehension of what they were required to portray or the slightest symptom of original conception what wilbrow told them and then showed them how to do they performed with varying degrees of success so that joan at last came to believe the best actors those most susceptible to domination least capable of independent thought as he gradually became acquainted with his lines and the business wilbrow mapped out for him the star began to give more compelling impersonations at each rehearsal but to the girl he never seemed more than a carbon filament of a man burning bright with incandescence only when impregnated with the fluid genius of a superior mentality so likewise with the leading woman as for herself joan was hardly happy in her endeavour to please having unwisely formed her own premature conception of her part and lacking totally the technical ability to express it she ran constantly afoul of wilbrow's notions she was called upon first to erase her own personality next to forget the personality which she had meant to delineate and finally to substitute for both these one which wilbrow alone seemed able to see and understand she strove patiently and without complaint but in a stupefying welter of confusion while on the pretended stage she was constantly terrified by wilbrow's mild but predominant regard which rendered her only awkward witless and ill at ease then too her attempts to imitate his brilliant and colourful acting were received with amusement not always wholly silent by the rest of the company she seemed quite unable to follow his lead and toward the end of the first week throughout the whole of which she was aware from the calm resignation of wilbrow's attitude she had improved not one whit she began to despair 
inasmuch as she appeared only in the first act she was customarily excused from attendance at the rest of each rehearsal and spent this extra time at home over her typewriter thus maintaining the fiction of earning her weekly stipend on saturday afternoon however as soon as her bit had been rehearsed there occurred one of those quiet aloof conferences between wilbrow rideout and matthias which she had learned to recognize as presaging a change in the cast twice before such consultations had resulted in the release of subordinate actors who had proved unequal to the parts now from the author's uneasy and distressed eye which alternately sought and avoided her joan divined that her own fate was being weighed in the balance and her heart grew heavy with misgivings none the less she was permitted to leave with no other advice than that the rehearsals would resume on the following monday at nine in the morning on the stage of a broadway theatre she hurried home in a mood of wretched anxiety and creeping despair wilbrow had indisputable excuse for dissatisfaction with her rideout was quite humanly bent on getting the best material his money could purchase and she was far from that while matthias couldn't reasonably protest against her dismissal for manifest incompetency and dismissal now meant more to joan than the loss of her coveted chance to appear in a first-class production it meant not only the loss of the living she earned as typist and she had been engaged with the understanding implicit if not explicit that matthias had only enough extra work to occupy her until the opening of his play dismissal from the cast of the jade god in short meant the loss to her of matthias there was no longer in her heart any doubt that she loved him the admiration conceived in her that first night when he had turned himself out to afford her shelter had needed only this brief period of propinquity to ripen into something infinitely more deep and strong and from the first she had been ready and willing to adore his very shadow upon an excuse far less encouraging than his kindly though detached interest in her welfare in her cosmos matthias was a being as exotic as a martian his intelligence of an order that passed understanding his thoughts and ways of speech his interests and amusements as far as she could define them the delicacy of his perceptions and the very refinements of his mode of life all new and strange to her invested him with a mystery as compelling to her imagination as the reticences of a strange and beautiful woman have for the mind of a young man she worshipped him with a hopeless and inarticulate longing and was content with this for the present but hourly she dreamed of a day when through his aid she should have lifted herself to a position in which she would seem something more to him than a mere forlorn shop-girl out of work and scratching for a living if only she might hope to become an actress of recognized ability it was a truism in her conception of life that the estate of actress was a lodestone for the hearts of men if success were to be denied her in her bedroom behind a locked door she hurried to her pillow and to tears she had known many an hour darkened by the fugitive despairs of youth but never until this day had she been so despondently sorry for herself later the banal ticking of her tin alarm clock penetrated her consciousness and she remembered that she had work to do to be finished before evening 
if her promise to matthias were to be kept she rose splashed face and eyes with cold water and went to her typewriter in the adjoining room she had really very little to do in order to complete her task only a few pages of scored and interlined manuscript to reduce the clean copy but her mind was not with her work time and again she found herself sitting with idle hands thoughts more errant and now and then she had to dry her eyes before she could proceed so stubbornly did she cling to the sorry indulgence of self-pity once even she was so overcome by contemplation of her sufferings that she bowed her head upon the table where the manuscript lay and wept without restraint for several minutes without restraint and toward the last with kindling interest in the discovery that her tears were bedewing a freshly typed page if matthias were to notice would he understand and understanding what would he think with shamefaced reluctance she destroyed the blotched page and typed it anew it was dark before she finished and she was glad of this when she gathered up the manuscript to take to her employer with no light in his room other than that of the reading lamp with the green shade her stained and flushed cheeks and swollen eyes would escape detection it was not that she wouldn't have welcomed sympathetic interest but a glance in the mirror showed her she had wept too unstrainedly not to have depreciated the cheapest asset of her charm her prettiness however she could not well avoid the meeting the work must be delivered but if she were lucky she would find him in one of his frequent moods of abstraction and their interview need only be of the briefest nevertheless she would have sent the work to him by the chambermaid if her week's wage had not been due that night she waited a moment listening at the door to the back parlour but there was no sound of voices within and reassured she knocked his response come in followed with unexpected promptness she obeyed though with misgivings amply justified as soon as she found herself in the room which was for once well lighted two gas jets on the chandelier supplementing the green-shaded lamp matthias was bending over a kit bag on the couch hastily packing enough clothing to tide him over sunday he threw her an indifferent glance and greeting over his shoulder hello miss thursday i was beginning to wonder whether you'd forgotten me i'm going to run down to port madison until monday morning last chance i'll have for a day in the country for some time probably chances are will will keep us at work next sunday got that script all ready joan depositing it on the table murmured an affirmative in a voice uncontrollably unsteady before entering she had been quite sure of her ability to carry off the short interview without betraying her harrowed emotions but to find the man about whom they centred packing to leave town to leave her added the final touch of misery to her mood and the inflection of her response could not have failed to strike oddly on his hearing uttering a wondering hello he straightened up and swung round to look at her and a glance sufficed his smile faded was replaced by a pucker of sympathy between his brows why what's the trouble joan averted her face nothing she faltered her lip trembled her eyes filled anew she dabbed at them with a wadded handkerchief matthias hesitated he drew down the corners of his mouth elevated his brows and scratched a temple slowly with a meditative forefinger 
then he nodded sharply and crossing to the door closed it tell me about it he said coming back to the girl things not going to suit you eh she shook her head looking away i-i she stammered i can't act oh nonsense he interrupted with kindly impatience you mustn't get discouraged so easily naturally it comes hard at first but you'll catch on everything of the sort takes time i was saying the same thing to wilbrow today yes she mumbled gulping i-i know i was watching you he and mr Ryder wanted to fire me didn't they what oh no no matthias lied unconvincingly they-they were just wondering i assured them but you hadn't any right to the girl broke in passionately i can't act and-and i know it and you know it as well as they do i can't i just can't it's no use i'm no good of a sudden she flopped into a chair rested her head on arms folded on the table and sobbed aloud matthias shook his head and since she could not see him permitted himself a gesture of impotent exasperation this was really the devil of a note women were incomprehensible you couldn't bank on em ever here was he preparing to catch a train and not too much time at that but a glance at the clock reassured him slightly he had still a little leeway all the same he didn't much relish the prospect of being compelled to invest his spare minutes in attempting to comfort a silly emotional girl and besides somebody in the hallway might hear her sobbing this last consideration took him somewhat reluctantly to her side there there he pleaded intensely irritated by that feeling of helplessness which always afflicts man in the presence of a weeping woman whether or not he has the right to comfort her there don't cry please miss ah thursday you're all right really you are you you're ah uh, doing all this quite needlessly i give you my word you might as well have attempted to stem a mountain torrent i wish i could make you understand this is all quite unnecessary he groaned i i'm so miserable came a wail from the huddled figure i'm sorry he said uncomfortably awfully sorry truly but you i'm not afraid you won't make good and i don't intend to let you go until you've had every chance in the world that's a promise he ventured to give her quaking shoulder a light encouraging pat or two and rested his hand upon the corner of the table come now brace up please i with a strangled sob joan sat up caught his hand and carried it to her lips before he could recover from his astonishment it was damp with her tears and kisses instantly he snatched it away you you're so good to me she cried matthias horrified stepped back a pace or two as if to insure himself against a repetition of her offence and quite mechanically dried his hand with a handkerchief and then in a flash he lost his temper what the devil do you mean by doing that to me he demanded harshly look here you stop this nonsense i won't have it i-why it's outrageous what right have you got to-to do anything like that the shock of his anger brought the girl to her senses her tears ceased in an instant as if automatically she rose mopping her face with her handkerchief swallowed one last sob 
and moved silently toward the door i'm sorry she mumbled i-you've been very kind to me i forgot myself i'm sorry well he said grudgingly in his irritation but don't let it happen again there's no chance of that the girl retorted with a brief-lived flash of spirit good night good night he returned she was gone before he recovered and then compunction smote him and he followed her as far as the hallway in the half-light of the flickering gas-jet he saw her only as a shadow slowly mounting the staircase and a glance toward the front door discovered indistinct shapes of lodgers on the stoop miss thursday he called in a guarded voice she heard hesitated a single instant then with quickened steps resumed the ascent he called once again but she refused to listen and he returned to his study in a state of insensate rage which however had this time himself for its sole object joan's transgression quite lost sight of in remorse for his brutality he could not remember ever having spoken to any woman in such wise no man had any right to speak to any woman in such a manner for any cause however exasperating tremendously disgusted with himself and ashamed he tramped the floor so long trying to quiet his conscience and made so many futile attempts to apologize to the girl by word of hand one and all to either too abject or too constrained that he had lost his train before he produced the lame and halting effort with which he was at length fain to be content a later train was bearing him under the east river to long island when joan read his message a servant had taken it to the girl's room and knocking without receiving an answer concluded that joan was out and slipped it under the door when the descending footsteps were no longer audible joan rose from the bed lighted the gas and with blurred vision deciphered the lines dear miss thursday please forgive me for my unmannerly exhibition of temper i regret exceedingly my inability to make you understand how sorry i am to have hurt your feelings and do please understand that there is no grave dissatisfaction with your work at rehearsals remember that you have two weeks more in which to show what you can do i shall hope that you are not too deeply offended to overlook my loss of temper and to continue typing my book if possible i'd like to have another chapter by monday night sincerely yours john matthias p s i enclose what i'd completely forgotten the regular weekly amount ten dollars she fell asleep at length with this note crushed between her pillow and her cheek End of chapter 15